0: Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Coffee Chats with Ryan. Uh, I'm pretty happy to make it to 10 episodes in just a little, I guess, a little over half a year. Um, I would have thought it would have taken me more time than that, but thank you everybody for supporting me to get to the double digits and hopefully we get to triple digits and it feels like it flies by. Um, Also, sorry this has taken so long to get out since I recorded this with my guest. uh, A bit of life has happened and it's kind of knocked me back a little bit, but I'm good, we're good. let's go and uh finally finally got around to editing it again sorry about the audio quality. hopefully as people get vaccinated and we're allowed to breathe next to people again i can get uh I can get my guests in the same room as me with some decent audio equipment, maybe or just my phone, and we'll go from there and uh at least that way everybody will be on the same recording device, and it'll kind of sound at least the same volume uh so without further ado. My next guest works at Health Canada as a public servant in the Controlled Substances and Cannabis Branch in the Office of Cannabis Science and Surveillance, and I'm going to let him explain to you what that means and what that entails and kind of what his career has been, because it's been a very interesting one. Um, We also get into some of his studies in university where he was studying biology and actually got to do a research trip down to the Caribbean, and some of his world travels because he he's been pretty much to almost every continent as well. So without further ado, here is somebody I've known for more than two decades. Uh, and I consider a brother, the always interesting Austin Mares. Awesome. Thank you for joining the podcast. Welcome. And to start off, what are you drinking today?
1: Uh, I, I'm drinking the elixir of life, again water.
0: <laughs> it's hot today. I, uh, I mean, I don't say that much. Well, I say that pretty often the summer, but it's, <laughs> it's pretty hot. And it might just be, it might just be that the sun's been beating on the, the window of my office all morning. So my office is pretty warm.
1: Yeah, I'm not like, honestly, my <laughs> the reason I'm drinking water is like, well, for one, it's 10 10 AM. So I'm not gonna have a beer at 10. I mean, I would under other circumstances. Not, uh, <laughs> not, uh, not today. Also, I had a couple beers last night, so I'd, uh, I'm, I'm definitely not a <laughs> by any means. But yeah, just uh, just water. Water it is today. Rehydrating. Yeah, exactly. I think that right. time for
0: some water. So what do you do for work? What's been your career kind of like, cause you work in the public service. And before any, we say anything, this is our own opinions and not the opinion of our employer as we both do work for the public service, but what do you do? Uh,
1: currently or so, cause you kind of had two questions there. So currently or like my career? path?
0: Yes to both. You can start with currently and kind of work your way backwards if you want.
1: Okay. Uh, so currently I work in the office of cannabis science and surveillance. Uh, working on the adverse reactions team so uh i screen all incoming uh adverse reactions involving cannabis products um yeah so So, yeah that 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 would be my my job currently
0: so by adverse reactions do you mean like like medically adverse reactions like someone smoked weed or ate a gummy and ended up in the hospital kind of thing
1: uh, so that's the thing, um, I actually pulled it up for, for reference, so section 248 of the uh, cannabis regulations is the main, it's kind of crazy, because like it's just one tiny, well like relatively tiny section of the cannabis regulations, but it obviously is a super important one. Um, and uh, so an adverse reaction is defined as a noxious and unintended response a cannabis product and then a serious adverse reaction is a noxious and unintended response to a cannabis product that requires inpatient hospitalization or prolongation of existing hospitalization causes congenital malformation results in persistent or significant disability or incapacity is life-threatening or results in death so um it is like it doesn't need to be medically confirmed uh an adverse reaction so uh basically you like because it's kind of a catch-all with a noxious and unintended response if you were to just smoke a joint and get a really bad headache after it um that's considered an adverse reaction now somebody could argue like especially if you're like an experienced cannabis user or like or like you could you could for example just be really tired smoke a joint and get a really bad headache and part of it of the headache is really associated to you being really tired. But if you associate it with the cannabis and you report it to the, uh, license holder, that license holder has to report it to Health Canada within 15 days. If it's a serious adverse reaction. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, I think I covered it.
0: Hmm. What's the difference between a serious adverse reaction and just an adverse reaction? Uh,
1: well, so like I, I, defined find it a little bit earlier so the uh serious is like yeah on un- um inpatient hospitalization uh congenital malformation uh disability life threatening or death so really okay like, so kind of medically important yeah
0: yeah so it's the ones you'd call 911 for
1: yeah exactly so like generally like if you were to like i don't know like fall and you know you pass out from smoking and like you fall and hit your head like that would be one like, yeah. There's there. It really uh, Like anything that you call nine one one for, I guess, is a good.
0: Uh, do you know if? To it. Genuinely curious. Do you know if something exists like that, like that, for alcohol too, or is it just the marijuana side? Because I'm not going to say they're the exact same thing, but they're both kind of used in similar fashions. And like you said, falling down drunk or drinking too much would be something that you would end up in the hospital. Do you, is is that done on the the? Uh, alcohol side or do is it just marijuana that's a good question
1: i am not familiar i would i would imagine that you can um report because i know that like basically what we like so when you report them to health canada they're uploaded into uh the canada vigilance database uh which actually has a public facing component if you did not know that you can actually look up um like they're obviously scraped of like personal details, but like you can see like adverse reactions posted online. Um, but uh, it would like, yeah, I, I actually don't know. I'm not familiar with if it is for alcohol, but uh, I know that for like prescription drugs, it'd be the same way that if you have like, and they would also have to report it. So like, if you took like, I don't know, like Tylenol and it made you like super nauseous, you could report it.
0: Hmm. And they would have to report it. Then it would show up on the database that you could eventually search and be like, Hey, look, that's me.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You would like it scrubbed to the point that like, other people wouldn't know that it's you, but you would know that it's you.
0: Awesome. That's Yeah, that's interesting. because I just I find a lot of people still well, not a lot of people. I mean, I think there's there's a difference in who who would assume this, but I'll, some people still uh consider weed to be this super super dangerous drug and I mean I guess if I mean smoking anything is not great for you but even eating it of course you just, just sit and wait it out like don't call 911 because you eat too much and go slow.
1: Yeah exactly like it's it's uh but on the flip side of that it it's interesting because there's also like some people that are like there's absolutely not like it's this miracle drug that like <laughs> has absolutely no negative side effects whatsoever. And like it just, um, you know, like it, 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 it's any substance, any substance that you use too much of, or just has a bad reaction with your body, um, has yeah, you can you can have a, a an adverse reaction to. So um, yeah, I think that that's and that's part of why collecting adverse reaction data is important because that's how we identify risks. Um, like my team has identified um, uh, like drug interactions, for example, uh, where, uh, yeah, like the cannabis uh, interacts with blood uh, thinning agents.
0: Hmm. How did you get to that role? Like, did you, do you wanna walk through your career? Cause I, it's been a bit of an interesting one, I think that uh, <laughs> for the public yeah. service, especially since legalization.
1: For sure, so I, well, I actually worked pre-legalization. Um, I initially got hired uh, when it was the, con- uh, the cannabis legalization and regulation branch. Um, I got hired in October of 2017. Um, I still remember, actually, funny story. I um, I thought I, well, I didn't think for sure, but I part of me was like, did I just get my identity stolen? Because... Um, <laughs> Because when I so I like I got called um I'd gotten referred for the job and then I got called by the manager of the licensing section. Um and we spoke on the phone. It was a really quick and like informal talk and kind of just like, oh like basically like are you willing to work overtime or are you willing to work weekends? I was already working a part time job where I worked overtime and weekends, so I was yeah. like, heck yeah. Um and she was like, Cool, like I'll start putting through the paperwork for your security and then we'll let you know uh, just like i'm gonna send you a form and like send it to me and it was like official like government form and everything but when, at that time the cannabis legalization regulation branch was so new that like when you googled it like they didn't have a web page there was like no like canada.ca information about the cannabis branch so after i sent everything with like my SID number and everything i was like i can't find anything on the cannabis legalization regulation branch like did I just get my identity stolen? (laughs) Uh, So obviously that was not the case. I got hired. Uh, so yeah, I worked for the licensing section, reviewing applications to become a licensed producer. So if you wanted to open a factory to, um, to grow cannabis, uh, for at that time for medical purposes, uh, I mean, obviously we all knew that it was probably going to be legalized soon because that was part of, promise mm-hmm. which i guess doesn't mean anything but <laughs> controversial. controversial i was thinking the same thing <laughs> but, uh, but um yeah so it, that was like the so we we had like a huge backlog we have had tons like i remember working there when we hit our hundredth license um i don't know what that number is at now i'm pretty sure it's well over 200 if not 300 but like I remember working when we were still dealing in the like like 50 licensed producers in all of Canada um but yeah that was my my first job um and then I moved from the license while working on the licensing team I uh we needed a representative to work on the cannabis tracking and licensing system um for the licensing section um So I became the subject matter expert and I joined that team to help, uh, yeah, just to sort of help. Like basically it was like the interpretation between the IT uh, requirements and how it's actually implemented into a system and uh, what our team needed to do their work using the system Um, or stakeholders on the public facing side needed to, to use the system because there's a lot of work like if you want to apply like now if you want to apply for a license it's all done through the cannabis tracking and licensing system so you submit an application you receive your license once it's approved or denied through that's like everything's managed through that system. So and we were on iteration 1.0 so I was working on the work for 2.0. Um and then while I was with that team uh our manager uh got a new opportunity so she left so the project lead became the manager and then I became the project lead. Uh, and then I was in charge of the, yeah, I was the, the, uh, uh, I can't remember what the, the, the word escapes me now, but yeah, the, um, I will, I basically, yeah I was in charge of the whole, the whole um, CFCB side for the cannabis tracking and licensing system. Um, so instead of just licensing, it also covered, uh, the security, um, the inspection module. There was new product notices. Um, I think those are the main ones. I'm probably forgetting one, and somebody from the canvas team will be like, "Hey, we're super important." But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that uh, that was that. And then while I was working there, um, yeah, one of my friends kind of had referred me to the uh, the science team. There was an opening, and uh, she she mentioned my name and uh yeah that's how i how i landed with the adverse reaction team and now i'm yeah that's my that's pretty much my entire government career since it's not very uh not very long but yeah.
0: <laughs> i find talking to to younger people in the government it's always the exact same thing where it's you know a couple jobs here and there and then they say something like you said you're the project lead and i find a lot of people are like wait what it's like, yeah, I, I was, I was the the important person that you'd assume has like forty years of government experience and a lot of IT experience. Now it was me. It was me. I do the same thing, or I, I tell people some of the finances that I work with, and they're like, "I'm sorry, what?" I'm like, "Yeah, who would have thought? It's me. I uh, I passed math. I can do it." Um, while you were at the licensing bureau, and did you manage to get? Did you go on any like tours of the facilities?
1: Uh, no, I really wanted to, and some people of the team were able to uh but it was one of those things where because it's kind of it's it's tough because like i and, and i get it but like as a business some of them don't want you to come in because <laughs> uh, it's kind of like like it's not that they're doing anything wrong it's just kind of like you're just opening the doors for like a bunch of regulators to come in and even though it's like informal and you're technically just seeing it, like, I guess in theory, they could be like, Oh, that's not compliant. That's not compliant. Like it could, you know, stem other, other things. Um, So yes, other people from my team were able to, but uh, just, just the timing never worked out for me. So no, I I haven't, unfortunately, I would love to, but uh, yeah, not in the cards.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I, 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 after asking, I kind of get that with the regulators because I'm used to people, throwing their doors open for me and being like look at our facility and I'm like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that is a production facility that's all I can tell you I don't know and the engineer goes off and does his does his fun inspections and I'm just sitting there with my hands in my pockets like this is super <laughs> neat. I'm not going to touch anything yeah. uh, so how have you seen the marijuana policy because you've been kind of in you've been in it since before it even became legal but uh, how have you seen marijuana policy evolve since it was federally legalized
1: It's definitely gotten more, so when I first started in 2017, we were under the ACMPR, which is the Access to Cannabis for Medical Purposes Regulations, Uh, and that was um, when it was, like, it was just for medical purposes. That was the only way that you could acquire cannabis, and that required, like, a prescription and medical documents, and um, obviously, that's not the case now say that when I first started it was it was interesting because like you you need it so under the ACMPR like a, a perfect example of of just kind of like the how the restrictions have loosened and I don't want to say loosened like they're loosened but not like unrealistically where it's just like oh well anybody and anybody can store it wherever but like you needed a, a bank style vault um under the ACMPR <laughs> to store No, like literally, like a, for for we, you needed to have uh, <laughs> weed. That sounds so informal, but yeah, like uh, <laughs> you needed like uh, vibration sensors on the ceiling, uh, though all the walls in case anybody was going to drill through it. You needed like a bank vault style door. Was always um inversion and diversion like that's always been a big uh and, and of course like theft and breaking in and stuff but it's one of those things where you kind of have to like weigh the risk and reward and i and i see why they did it but um that's why now for example you can designate like the now it just has to be a room without an outward like a room in your facility that doesn't share a that's either common to another facility or is outside like is an outside wall so basically like a room within a room is the analogy unless it's changed since then but that's what it was when i was licensing so um and again like obviously it still has to be locked and like only certain people can have access to it like stuff like that but like you don't need like the full bank style vault which is like
0: yeah just like you know (laughs) yeah the bank style vault seems a little a little overkill considering how relatively easy it was to procure on the black market at that time.
1: Yeah, and, and it was one of those things where it's just like and I and I feel for the companies where it was like, okay, like this is a it's already expensive to run a business. It's expensive to get land, expensive to build a facility or rent one, and like add to that that you also need this like now like huge faults that's like certified you need like 24 hour monitoring um you need a secure perimeter fence with like yeah it was it was nuts like they were i swear cannabis facilities would have been like more secure than like prisons well maybe not more
0: <laughs> secure but like equally as secure so you mentioned inversion diversion what, what did you mean by that
1: uh so inversion and diversion uh Diversion is when you grow for legal purposes and then it would uh, be diverted out and then sold illegally. Uh, inversion would be when you sell, when you grow illegally and then invert it to your supply and then pass it as a legal product. So th- I know that, that was a, that's always been a big focus of the cannabis and i don't work in policy full disclosure but i just know that that has been a big focus obviously because one of the whole points of legalizing it was to cut into or completely cut out the the illicit market right so uh a big concern obviously was yeah inversion and diversion
0: okay that makes sense i wasn't entirely sure what, what, what was meant by that but yeah inversion that that makes sense kind of that that kind of uh the weak point in the supply chain if you will it, you can think of it like that where they'll either lower their cost of goods sold or increase their profit margin. Um, you do yeah. to pay taxes on illegally sold weed.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's one of those things where like, I, 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 I don't know. And I have zero stats to back it up, but personally, I had always thought that the risk of inversion was probably worse than diversion just because, um, because of all the regulations that need like you know how hard it is to get a license i mean not so much anymore but like at the time it was very difficult to like get a license because it took a long time um and then there's like very strict growing conditions um and like who could be in a room and like it, it was very very regulated and it still is but like even more so uh, under the acpr um and even the early days of the well, actually, I guess not. But um, basically, like with diversion, I was just like, it's, it would have been cheaper to grow illegally. So I never really understood as much the risk of diversion, but inversion, I can totally get because it's way cheaper to like, you know, have a huge unregulated facility where you can grow using whatever pesticides you want, whatever, you know, and then try to pass that off as a legal product. So I understand why I understand the risk of both of them either way, but like I personally, I always saw inversion as the the bigger risk.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. You can pass it off as just a really good year on your legal farm by supplementing it with the illegal stuff versus the other way around. It would be, like you said, really costly. You'd have to really make a buck on that illegal, the illegal weed that you're selling. Um, yeah. Have you noticed... Uh, product quality or just the quantity of various products on the market significantly increased Because I know we've seen stuff like, I think there's a a not weed beer, or is it weed beer where it's THC and CBD instead of alcohol in it, but have you noticed the product quality increase? Uh,
1: product quality? I mean, it's one of those things where technically the regulations have not... I mean, obviously there was phase one where there was just dried cannabis and then cannabis oil, and then phase two last year, October... No, last year, no, 2018 it became legal. October 17, 2018 was when the cannabis regulations took effect, and then one year after that, yeah, October 17, 2019 would have been when phase two started, um, and that was when you had like the edibles, vaping products, like the whole suite of everything that you see on the market. Yeah, so just yes, like in terms of the number. So again, in terms of quantity or quality, quantity there's been way more products on the market because there can be like in the first year there could only be dried cannabis and uh, cannabis oil. So obviously that's going to limit the amount of products and even just the variety of products. Cause like you can only, I mean, dried, like it's literally like pre-rolls or dried flour. That's, that's it really. Uh-huh. And then uh, as far as oil, it's like your like soft gels oil with like the uh, metered dose or, spray or oral spray i think those are i might be forgetting any but those are kind of like the main ones for oil but then obviously with phase two you got like you were saying cannabis drinks cookies brownies like um uh, gummies um and then vaping products which have you know pods disposable vaporizers like um and and other forms of extracts so like you can buy shatter wax butter crumble distillate uh tincture um like diamonds like some of them don't even sound real to be honest when you, when you hear raws resin like it's there's just so many forms of like butane hash oil co2 oil like yeah it's insane the amount of forms that they're that you can uh, consume cannabis and
0: yeah you lost me after hash <laughs> i've heard of that one and then the rest i think tincture as well but the rest of them i'm I'm, uh, i've seen them on when you when you go shopping for it and like the shatter and i'm like i don't know what that is and it sounds that's that's actually scaring me more than it's encouraging
1: (laughs) i mean that's it is like extracts generally correlate with with more experienced users so if, if like you i mean i'm sure some unlucky soul out there has done it but I'm sure somebody's first experience with cannabis, I I doubt, and I really hope not is like doing a dab or, um, other forms of extracts because they're super concentrated and like super potent. So again, for an experienced user, it's, it's efficient because you don't need a lot of product to get the same high. Like you could easily do a tiny dab and get way more high than a single joint would, would give you, um, obviously like to an inexperienced user like you could also go like off the rails like very easily if you're like oh like how how bad could it be And then, yeah
0: (laughs) yeah that's that's the one thing start start low and start slow i know with, with edible just never have the entire plate of brownies have like a quarter and just see how you feel and then tomorrow if you want to do it again maybe have a half and see how you feel but don't don't necessarily eat the entire brownie and then go for a four hour five hour uh, trip through space.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. It is definitely one of those things where, and and I feel like anybody that's used cannabis more than once has been there, where at some point you've done more than you intended, and you're just like, I am way too high. Like I should not. <laughs> I don't like this feeling. But like you said, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, you should, you know, just wait it out, drink some water, go to sleep. Um, but. It, it, it is so true that like, especially with edible, well really with all forms of cannabis, like if you're doing it, if you're a naive cannabis user, um, yeah, start low, go slow. Just don't uh, don't overdo it because it's always easier to just do more the next time if you didn't get your, your desired effect.
0: Yeah, I find it's, it's you can still do the same thing, I guess, with alcohol, but it's a little bit more of a, a quick feeling. I find if you have an edible, usually it takes an hour. I find it takes about an hour, hour and a half to kick in if you have a couple shots of vodka you'll feel super 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 not okay within 20 minutes
1: yeah for sure although with cannabis again it depends on your consumption method because i'd say smoking you usually feel it like relatively quick same with like vaping or or dabs or well i guess dabbing is a form of vaping but um yeah but yeah with edibles in particular like super definitely give it Give it time to
0: <laughs> to feel. So you you've you've also traveled the world quite a bit. Um, one of them was you you hiked. I don't know if it was the length of Portugal, but a good portion of Portugal you hiked through. How did you plan it, and what was that like?
1: Uh, so full disclosure, I did not plan most of it because
0: <laughs> that, uh,
1: yeah, I uh, that's just not my forte. But uh, it is, it's called the Fisherman's Trail. It's on the uh, Northwestern coast of uh, Portugal. Um, and it goes through, it's definitely not the entire length. Oh, sorry, it's not the, it's it, it's on the West coast of Portugal. Um, and I know that it's, uh, a completely south, uh, self-guided tour. Um, you go from a um, small town to small town. The reason it's called the Fisherman's Trail is because they're you go from fishing village to fishing village basically. They're all really small. Um, and you can hike it north to south or south to north. You can either direction. It doesn't really matter. The north side is the harder part I believe. Uh, I didn't actually do the entire Fisherman's Trail. Uh, we did part of it um the easier part of it um but i i would lo- i would do it again i would and i would strongly recommend it because because it's self-guided it's super easy you can't camp uh so it requires like you have to and and a lot of the towns are very small so you need to book in advance because I, I remember one of the towns we were in like there's literally one hotel in the entire town so if you can't book at that hotel you like there's Know? like you'd be sleeping outside i guess if you just spontaneously showed up and and the hotel for reference is not like a mega hotel it's like a hotel with probably like 20 rooms so again mm-hmm. like if you don't book in advance like you're just not gonna be doing the trip but um yeah it's it's super great you follow um it's like a blue and green line uh painted on rocks painted on uh sometimes they have signs sometimes it's painted on trees like and basically if it's, like, the line above it, like, one line above the other, uh, you're going in the right direction. If it's an X, it's you're not going in the right direction. And that's pretty much it. It's, it's super easy and generally, like, pretty self-explanatory. Like, obviously, they have them because there's some cases where it's, like, ah, you could go left, you could go right, and it'll be, like, X on the left, not on the right, so kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, it's self-guided, which is nice because you don't need any tour guides or anything you just go town to town and um yeah that's pretty much that's pretty much it i'd strongly suggest it
0: like i said how how long were the days in terms of walking or hiking oh that's a great question uh give me two seconds i'm gonna
1: pull up my old social media instagram because i remember okay. i posted uh how long each so yeah day one was 15 kilometers Day two, 22 kilometers, Day three was 18 kilometers. Um, so I'd probably say, I think each one, again, I don't know what the earlier ones were because I know the earlier ones were harder, but I'm not sure if they were harder distance or harder uh, as far as like just terrain. But yeah, I think it's safe to assume it's like 15 to 20 K, 15 to 25 K per day. Um, but the one disclaimer I'll add is that uh, it's kind of funny. The numbers might not like. I mean, it's it's pretty far, but it's not like eye-popping numbers as far as distance. But a lot of that is like right down, like you're walking, like like the elevation change within that can easily be like, you know, like you can be like walking because you're walking on the coast and it's all like cliffs, and so mm-hmm. you can go like down a couple couple of hundred meters then you're climbing back up then you're going back down then you're climbing back up so like distance wise you're not like not walking that far but you're like going up and down pretty far um yeah so so there's that and then um and because also because you're along the coast sometimes you're walking in sand and sand just takes like so much out of you you know like when you walk in like every step it's taking like you know I don't know. Well, I, I don't actually know. I'm sure there's actually a 50, a, a, an amount that you could quantify it with, but it's taking I don't know, like 20 percent, right, of your of each step is being lost from the ground shifting underneath you because you're pushing into sand, right? So it's uh, yeah, it's not not efficient for, for walking in. Let me tell you.
0: There's a reason why the NFL players train in it, but yeah, I'm walking yeah. on sand. So you went on a pretty epic trip. Right before, right before COVID, uh, what, what did you go? Where did you, where did you go? What did you see? What did you do? And how close to it was, how close were you to being locked down overseas?
1: Uh, so I, I went from, uh, I started, we flew into Rome and Rome to, uh, Rome for maybe four days, I think. Uh, Rome to Naples for two days, I believe in Naples, Naples to Amsterdam also two days in Amsterdam, Amsterdam to Jordan. Jordan, I was in for three days. We landed in Oman and then uh, did like a tour of some of the major sites in Jordan. Uh, And then Jordan to Dubai uh, and then Dubai for a few days. I took a cruise out of Dubai that went to, was supposed to go to Oman, but because of COVID, uh, we went to Qatar and then uh, went from there to uh, Abu Dhabi, and then from Abu Dhabi to uh, actually, funny enough, uh, Fight Island before it was Fight Island, uh, Sir, Sir Bani yes, the uh, where they have the um, you know the UFC uh, in on the island. Yep, yeah. So that's where I went. I uh, that was one of the stops of the cruise, and then back to Dubai, and then flew home. So guess, when did you get back? I got back one week before lockdown, I was back, I went to the office, I worked for one week and then we were sent home for two weeks, which became a year and a half <laughs> at this point. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah, it was wild. Like it, I missed, and it's great. Cause I remember at that time when we came home, no masks were mandated, no, everywhere went like no there was no mask mandate you could really just like go and do whatever you want at that point they were still rejecting tourists from um certain asian countries but it like we were totally fine and when we came back to the airport it was just like oh hey like so do you feel okay and it was like yes And it's like okay cool welcome home and that was <laughs> it like <laughs>
0: I think you get that question anyway when you come back from overseas from Canada. It's like, "Hey, man, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Cool. Go on in. Yeah. Uh, yeah what exactly. was what was your favorite stop?
1: Ooh, uh, I okay. Um, I would say so. Full disclaimer: I've been to Rome before. Uh, so for me to go to like the Colosseum, the Vatican, like it's all super. Like it's it's incredible to see but i've seen it all before like sounds so privileged to me i guess it is but like um yeah i've I've seen it all before so like that if, if don't people listening if you hear that don't be offended that i don't say rome um but for me it was either amsterdam or jordan uh they're such different experiences and if anything it was actually interesting to go back to back from one to the other because amsterdam is this like hyper liberal city where you have like I mean the red light district which is just like like nothing I've ever seen before like you know like half naked women in windows like is you would not see that anywhere in Canada obviously um, and then like and actually as a cannabis regulator to go into coffee shops and seeing people for one just seeing how you buy it and how they distribute it there was interesting because it was like almost like like if you buy it there's literally somebody like at the desk that like pulls from the jar with their hands no gloves on just throwing it on the scale and to me I was like oh this is like so barbarian like because <laughs> like ours is like very like you know comes in like a sealed medical package for them it's just like yeah so to me it was very interesting and the concept of smoking indoors is like foreign to me so it was obviously like really weird and when you go to a bar like they'll literally bring you an, an, an ashtray and a grinder and be like oh yeah like the industrial size." like dispenser of rolling papers is just over there or if you want like like the tables have like vaporizer like huge volcano vaporizers on them and they'll just give you a mouthpiece to use it like and it's just so like obviously that doesn't exist in our in Canada so like that was like crazy to me because I'm like oh this is like super cool and convenient but just like foreign like we would never have that here um but then you go to Jordan which like obviously uh is like well, anywhere in the Middle East is generally going to be like more conservative, but like, uh, and and Jordan, as far as Middle Eastern countries, again, I'm not the I'm the expert on them. From what, but from what I've been told, is like more liberal than most uh, areas in the Middle East. And it was so like to go from, you know, Amsterdam, where you're literally seeing half naked women in a window, and you could like pay to like watch people have sex live, versus like. Uh, Jordan, where you can't even hold hands in public um, and you can't share a hotel room unless you're married, um, was like quite the culture shock obviously, but like I would absolutely recommend like for anybody to see Jordan, it was amazing. Uh, Some of the sites that you see are like, just like awe inspiring and to go to Petra was like, like again, like we talked about earlier, I've been super privileged to see a lot of the world from a lot of traveling and like petra was still just like nothing i've ever seen
0: before petra is the it's, it's carved into the cliff right or the...
1: yes yes yeah, ca- car- carved right into the mountain the treasury um is the the big site like when you see like if you were to google petra like that's the first one there is like an entire park so there's more to it than just that but like the big main attraction is the treasury which is no wait is it the treasury I think that's what it's called maybe not actually I could be wrong about what it's what it's called but yeah like the Petra. yeah it's it's carved into the mountain and it's just like insane that people well for one that it's even like possible uh but yeah just like the size of it the detail like it's just yeah un-
0: unbelievable and it was done so long ago it wasn't done with like modern tools
1: yeah yeah exactly like you can literally see like the step zones beside it of like them Because, like, basically, our guide explained that they carved from the top down because they had to. Uh, Because, obviously, if you started to carve from the bottom, it would have, like, collapsed on its from the weight. Uh, So they needed to carve from, yeah, the top to the ground.
0: Yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, Using old, old, old tools, too, not, like, a, a diamond drill
1: yeah exactly so it's it's crazy just the level of detail well just the accomplishment but the level of detail with relatively um not know, not primitive i guess but we'll, we'll it's not the best word for it but primitive tools you know if you
0: will very vintage um,
1: yes yeah
0: throwback throwback thursday <laughs> uh you spent a week on an island conducting biology research in the caribbean caribbean i can never remember how to pronounce it properly. Tell me about it and the research that you were doing.
1: So I, uh, in, so I was in the university. I was in my final year. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I did that in my senior year. No, I didn't. I did that in my second last year. Um, but I, uh, so it's, it's called the OUPFB, the Ontario Universities Program in Field Biology. Um, and, uh, basically each, each school, I, this is all pre-COVID, so, uh, I have no idea how it works now, but at the time, um, each school hosted, like, a course or two. Um, or maybe not each school in in Ontario, but most schools. So the program I did was hosted by Western, um, and basically you go and you put your top three courses that you want to do, and then your representative from your school kind of goes to a meet with all the other profs, and then they try their best to not, like you're guaranteed to get one of your top three, uh, but they basically just like trade you quote unquote, in the sense that it's like, oh, like I have a student from my school that wants to take your program. And they're like, oh, I have a student from my pro- stu- school that wants to take yours. And then, you know, that's how you get enrolled kind of thing. So uh, yeah, mine was in Belize, it was on uh, Lighthouse Reef on just off the coast of Belize. Um, and there, I uh, so that it's it was a ten ten days I want to say I'm pretty sure, and um, the first week or so is uh, just kind of getting acclimated with the with the area. They'll go through. Uh, in our case, we we snorkeled like basically around the entire island because it's a super tiny island. Like you could walk like end to end in like probably 10, 15 minutes. Like it's really really small um and yeah you're just kind of like getting an idea of like what's on the island and what sort of things that you could do an independent research project on um and then like the last few days i think it's three four days that you, you i was given uh you have to design and do your research project collect the data and then you know write it all down and then go then after you go back home uh i think maybe a month later, your paper is due uh, on the data you collected, how you designed the study, the limitations. Well, everything that goes along with with writing a scientific research paper. But uh, for mine, I uh, did the proximity of uh, crab holes uh, to the algal line on the shore. So like when when algae like washes up on the shore, right, it kind of like has like a neat line, if you will, based on how high or low the tide was. Um, and our theory, our hypothesis, sorry, was that uh, if the ghost crabs are eating the algae, that their holes will be quite close to the, um, to the algal rock. So yeah, that was my, my research project. Are they supposed
0: to be eating the algae?
1: Uh, that was just our theory. I um, And that was kind of like without very much research. So, and, and that's the thing with science. Like sometimes it's just not even an established fact. Like you could be discovering something for the first time, or it could be something that people already know. And I mean, usually like you're discovering something for the first time. That's the exciting finds. But um, that was that was just our hypothesis. And it, it's so hard studying animals like, it's one of those things where I, I, I've i always had an interest more so in animal biology than plant biology. But studying plants is so much easier than studying animals because plants don't move. They're so easy to like, oh, you can make sure they eat the same thing every day. I guess you could do that with animals in a controlled environment. But like, especially like in nature, like you can't control where an animal's going to go. So it, you're kind of like at the mercy of like, the environment basically but a plant like yeah if you want to go back and study the same tree every day it's not going to get up and move like you know so yeah
0: no that's that i guess that would be would be tricky um it sounds like it was fun
1: it was it definitely was i would strongly suggest that also like basically my my logic when i was in university was like all through university i did not take any vacation um which for my mental health was probably not a good idea but i i did it anyway um and i just because i i couldn't really justify to myself spending money on a vacation at the time when i had so many other expenses uh in school so in this case i was like oh you kind of get a vacation because like well i mean i like you're still doing work obviously, but like I got to go to an exotic place. I got a really unique experience. um, And yeah, it was worth it. Cause like, again, this is obviously out of pocket, like just because it's a course doesn't mean that it's like fully covered by the university. So uh, you do pay on top of your tuition for doing it, but uh, I kind of justified it. I was like, oh, well, you know, it's kind of like a vacation, but also of course I get credit as a course for it, so. And you get like credit for an entire course for like two weeks of work. Well, obviously there's more work post when you're writing the paper, but yeah, you know, your semesters obviously way longer than that.
0: Yeah, it sounds like my Spanish course. Uh, I took a first year Spanish course in fourth year and it was not nearly the amount of work as the other courses. Um, 100%.
1: I also took first year Spanish, but I took that in first year.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was was the one who would have been in your class uh, not completely paying attention because they just needed the, needed the credits to to graduate. Oh, for sure.
1: Yeah, that was definitely a, definitely a bird course, but still, still educational and fun.
0: Oh, definitely. I can, I can get by in Spanish. I can't say I'm fluent or that I can really speak it very well, but I'm not going to starve to death. Totally. Totally. I'm right there with you. So what are your predictions for the upcoming NFL year? And do you have any hot takes uh, that you're willing to die on a hill for that you're going to defend? The very last breath.
1: Um, I mean, obviously, as a super biased Rams fan, I think uh, we're gonna do pretty well. I guess, hot take, not necessarily for, for last year, but if so, if you were a relatively casual NFL fan and you saw the Rams get like absolutely dismantled in the playoffs last year by uh, the Packers, you would conclude, like, okay, how could they be like you know, Matt Stafford isn't gonna fix all of that. I would say that football is like the ultimate team sport. However, when you have the best player in arguably, like in Aaron Donald, by the way, in arguably like all of football, um, losing him is obviously going to like severely affect your team. And if like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that we got like zero sacks that entire game. So basically my hot take would be that like the Rams A, could have beaten the Packers if Aaron Donald was healthy, because he barely even played that game, Um, and as such, like, our, especially with Stafford, like, I would almost argue Super Bowl favorites, Um, so obviously biased because I am a Rams fan, but, and then another one that I, that I, oh, full disclaimer, I, the football podcast that I listened to kind of planted the seed in my head. But it is actually a really good point. With the extra game, I would not be surprised if Stafford or even some other quarterbacks break the NFL passing record, like as far as uh yardage or even possibly touchdowns. Just because like if you have an extra game and you play in a pretty pass happy offense, like you know what I mean? Like I, I I I think that's definitely more within reach than a lot of people would realize. Because one think- game can be all the difference
0: I think it's going to be like that with a lot of records is you're going to see it's not going to look like a huge increase, like whatever the the current record for a season sack total is. It might be broken by one or two, but in the grand scheme of things, that's just a, that's just a good game at the end of the season. And especially if you're a fantastic player playing against a not great team in the 17th game kind of full engines going because you're trying to make the playoffs or something like that, it wouldn't surprise me if we see a lot more records get broken and it just becomes an asterisk. Okay, here's the records after 2017 or maybe the records become like on a game on a per game basis, what is the uh, what is kind of like the the season record for sacks or for for passes or for uh, yards thrown or something like that because it's going to be tough to compare a 16 game season to a 17 game season um, with that in mind. Interesting. I thought thought the Rams did get significantly better with Matt Stafford because Goff is fine. Um, But yeah, everybody universally I say would assume Matt Stafford is at least top 15 in the league. It depends who you talk to. Some people put guys in their top 10 that I don't really think deserve to be there. Um, Like I think Kyler is going to be a good quarterback. I don't think he's top 10 yet. And I see him in the top 10. That's a hot take. I think he's top half of the league for sure, but uh I wouldn't put him necessarily in the top ten. But I think for me a quarterback is a m mo- isn't a mobile quarterback is good, but a top ten quarterback is somebody who's gotta have longevity in the league. And I don't think we've necessarily seen a quarterback who is known as being a mobile quarterback have the same longevity as someone who isn't necessarily as well known as a mobile quarterback. Look at Cam Newton. Um yeah. mobile quarterback is is a shell of his former self, and you could say Aaron Rodgers is a mobile quarterback. Russell Wilson's a mobile quarterback. They are, but they're not. They're not known for picking up multiple first downs a game and a rushing touchdown. Um, yes, they're more or less just known to run away from their terrible O line and launch the ball downfield.
1: Yeah, that's true. I I will say that the NFL now seems to be going towards like you have to be at least semi like the the prototypical like pocket passer i don't think really exists like brady is really the last of a dying breed like there's not really your your true back and like you have to be able to improvise um i would struggle to think of many qbs that are good and are not like that but um maybe i'm just not not thinking of them i guess like ben roethlisberger but yeah, most of most of them, I would say now, like most of the top ones, Patrick Mahomes, I would say fits that bill. Deshaun Watson,
0: um, even Derek <laughs> Carr, uh, you know, for you. Like, so. Yeah, I'm somebody who puts Derek Carr in the top twelve, so I don't know if that's necessarily universally loved, but he was top ten in stats last year. Uh, so If you take out any any important quarterback stat, I believe he was top ten for. Um, he's had a bottom like 32nd defense his whole career, so I think if my hot take was the Raiders. If if they have a defense that's at least number twenty between between twentieth worst and twenty fifth worst, they're going to be uh, a playoff team. Um, yeah, I could believe that. yeah, putting up thirty one points a game is all good and great, and it's fantastic until your defense is letting up thirty five points a game. Um, it's awful. Do you think Aaron Rodgers moves from Green Bay this year?
1: Uh, I I don't know. I I find it so difficult because uh, a lot of, like, you just, for one, it's hard to picture players in other jerseys, especially ones that, like, with the longevity with one team that, like, it's like when they were talking about, like, the Bears making a run at Russell Wilson. I was like, I just, for one, why? Like, why would he even want to go there? But, like, also, like, I just just couldn't imagine it. So do I see Rodgers leaving? I mean, like, I don't know. That's tough. He's also, he's he's tough to move and, like, it's so hard to assess the value of, like, a relatively aging quarterback, which I guess, like, Stafford kind of is, but, like, Rodgers is even older, but he's also coming off an MVP season. And honestly, like, another, like, hot take, again, that I can't really take credit for, but, like, Aaron Rodgers, realistically, like, he might be mad that they, like, didn't draft receivers and stuff like that, but he's, like, coming off, like, the number one offense and, like, top five rushing and passing offense and, they tried to address the defense. So realistically, like does that not sound like a good idea?
0: Yeah. I it's it's tough too because I mean, I think the Rams gave up, was it two firsts for Stafford? They don't use their first round picks anyway, but I think they 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 traded away two firsts and their starting quarterback. And then to get three firsts. There you go. So let's say three firsts to get Matt Stafford. If you're going for Aaron Rodgers, that's three first-round picks. You're going to be trading. You're also going to have to trade away probably one of your top offensive weapons and maybe one of your top rookie defensive weapons as well. So Rodgers isn't going to be traded into a situation like he has now with Devontae Adams and a fantastic running back. Um, the team that's going to get traded. Pardon? Multiple. Uh, yeah,
1: like Jamal Williams and I mean AJ Dillons. That's another hot take. He's going to have a good year. Actually, Jamal
0: Williams isn't there anymore. That's why he's going to have a good deal. Sorry. but No, yeah, and I just mean you're going to be trading away. Essentially, you're mortgaging your future. That's why when people said the Broncos were going to get Aaron Rodgers, I wasn't super upset considering they're a Raiders division rival, but, I mean, you already have to deal with the Chiefs. You have to deal with the Chargers. Um, So one more good team's not going to do much, but they're also going to be trading away their entire future. People are like, look at the receivers the Broncos have. I'm like, well, they're probably going to trade at least one of them for – for Rodgers and then their defense, they're gonna trade a very key piece of their defense away as well. And it it just won't go well. And then you if you're the if you're the Packers, you have to then find another quarterback to replace Aaron Rodgers, which is virtually impossible. But I think yeah, he sticks <laughs> plus he's got a cap hit that is ridiculous as well. I think yeah. it's like a 35 million dollar cap hit this year. So it's it's not quite the same as Brady. I, I saw a couple comparisons to people saying well Brady moved look at how well he did he was a free agent who got to choose his team. And who could come in at a cheaper contract? Of course. Yeah.
1: Free agency versus trading is, is night and day and basically uncomparable. Especially yeah, trade trading in trading in any league, but yeah, especially in the NFL, I find. Unless you're willing to just like unless they're willing to just take picks. But yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't know.
0: It'd be very difficult to to just take picks for a future Hall of Fame quarterback who just came off an, an MVP caliber season. Um, I think he sticks with the Packers at least till the end of the contract. If not, maybe they cut, maybe they have a big argument and they let him go, but yeah. it's going to be tough. I mean, if you're the Packers, you eventually have to start rebuilding, I guess, at some point, which might right. be why they keep taking quarterbacks to hopefully find the next one while you still have Rogers. Um, but it's, it's going to be tough to replace him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, you, it's it's hard to replace like what well, he's got what like the highest NFL passer rating in like the history of the NFL I, I think um, something like that. so realistically like I don't think a quarterback like that is replaced. It's the same way that like the Saints I don't know what they're going to do to replace Drew Brees. Not that he was really playing like at a, like his hyper elite level like last year, but he was still playing really well. So um, yeah, I I don't I think that it's, it's Impossible for them to necessarily just replace Rogers right away, but is Jordan Love the answer? I mean, maybe like we haven't really seen enough of him, but I, I see where he's where Rogers is coming from. Where the insult of like, okay, like I, I, I agree that you have to pick a new quarterback eventually, but like in the first round, while like Rogers is still like, you, like still playing well, like I don't know, that's yeah.
0: yeah, it's tough. There's there's probably a better situation there, and but from the Packers point of view is they might not have thought they could get uh, a quality quarterback in the second or third round. And it's, it's, I mean, the analysts can say what they want, but they don't know what everybody's board looks like in their draft form. Um, speaking of draft rooms, who is your number one fantasy football player this year? Oof, I can't say is it that. CMC? I, I uh, yeah, I, I
1: CMC. I mean, it's, it's hard not to, it's hard not to, uh, to put him as as your your top pick just based on volume uh that he'll receive and dual threat ability um and and realistically like last year i as somebody who owns cmc not in our league but in another league um it was frustrating because when he did play he averaged like 20 points a game it's just that he only played like what four or five games probably for the entire year so Mm -hmm. um yeah, I would say that he he still is. Will he go number one in most leagues? Like, I'm sure some people uh, won't have him. Uh, yeah, as as the number one overall. But I'm struggling to, to find like who else would really, uh, yeah, like have Dalvin Cook. Okay, as one of the top rated. Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley. I still don't understand the hype for Saquon personally. I. I'm not a big fan of running backs on poor teams, but yeah, CMC. Basically, that was a long-winded way to uh, of uh, of responding to your question. But yeah, CMC. That's probably that would be my number one pick if I if I got it. But I hate having the number one overall pick.
0: Yeah, I prefer back half because I always find I prefer two top fifteen players to one top top ten. Absolutely,
1: yeah. Unless you, I mean, in my case, it didn't end up working out because. Had Josh Jacobs and uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I mean,
0: Josh Jacobs ended
1: up playing really well, but Edwards-Alaire was like,
0: man. I think it'll be different as well as I think the defenses last year had a bit of a struggle coming into the season, not having the on-field uh, workout as much. And it was a lot of virtual meeting. Um, now that they're allowed back in the facilities, and it seems to be kind of a more regular off-season. If they're vaccinated, they don't have to wear masks and stuff like that. I think it's going to be coming out of the gate. The defenses are going to be a lot better. I know last year there was kind of an offensive explosion, while the defenses took about a month to adjust. Um, but I find offense is—I mean, that's exactly what it is. Offense—you don't necessarily have to react what the defense is giving you 100 percent of the time, as long as you knew, you know your role in the play. Whereas on defense, depending on what's happening on the offense, you might cover one of three guys if you're a defensive back. If you're a defensive end, you've got to, you know, time your rush with the other. Uh, defensive lineman. if you're if you're doing a twist or anything like that yeah. it's a little bit trickier to kind of get into the rhythm um, and if you have a new defensive coordinator you have to learn a brand new a brand new scheme but I do think the defenses aren't going to be as much of a pushover as they were last year in the first month of the season yeah
1: that makes
0: sense so to conclude the very last question what books have you been reading recently or have you just finished fiction nonfiction? any recommendations I was I was dreading this question
1: <laughs> I full um, full disclosure I uh, basically do not read any books uh, it is awful uh, I used to be such an avid reader as a kid and I am no longer one uh, so I read a lot of like articles online um, I read a ton of reddit to be honest um, a lot of I mean articles that are posted on Instagram just articles in general like that I can find. Mm -hmm. normally through social media uh but as far as books i do not read at all basically uh the last book that i did read uh was the witcher series
0: um i'm not sure i'm sure did you watch the witcher nope but i I do know what i i recognize the name
1: oh okay well first of all like i would strongly suggest to watch it for one like just knowing you as a person i think you would enjoy it but uh, even just like to anybody listening, like it's a fantastic series uh, and really well done, especially because Henry Cavill or Cable, I don't actually know, but um, Superman. yeah, Superman. He, uh, he is fantastic and he's a huge, he was a huge Witcher fan uh, going into it. So that's why I knew he would knock that role out of the park. And he did. So um, yeah, he, uh, he's just so, so good. Uh, at capturing Geralt of Rivia. Um, I originally got into it, of course, as the video games, but the books are like fantastic. They start as a series of short stories and then evolve into like a typical novel uh, after the, I think I think it's as of the second or third book, it becomes like a novel, but the first one is a collection of short stories. Um, and yeah, they're, they're fantastic books. They're all obviously fiction, but um, yeah it's if, if you like fantasy if like if you read game of thrones um and enjoyed it then you would probably enjoy the witcher
0: yeah i feel like game of thrones if you find somebody who enjoyed it the entire way through the books um they they just enjoy pain because i mean <laughs> a thousand pages and of which i find a lot of the action happens in the first 200 and the last 200 sometimes in the middle but not so much um yeah. And you just, you, you st- you're you reading them for months and you feel like you're not actually getting anywhere until you're towards the end. You're like, oh my God, I'm almost finished. And you kind of get excited to finish it. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're actually, speaking of series, we started watching The League. I've never seen The League on... um oh,
1: Fantasy Football 1?
0: Yeah, on FX. That show is hilarious. It's super awkward to watch sometimes. It's very, uh, not cringy, like in an acting way, but the the situations the characters get into hurt to watch sometimes, but it's... Worth the watch, and I know Leah doesn't like play fantasy football as right. into it as we do. I mean, she'll watch the NFL with me, but she doesn't. Uh, it's not quite as much of a religion as it is for me. But um, she also enjoys it as just yeah. a comedy too. Yeah. All
1: right. Yeah, i've I've, I've heard good things. Um, so.
0: Yeah, for sure. I definitely recommend giving it a watch. It's on Disney Plus if you have a stream. If you're looking for it on a streaming service. Um, but yeah, anyway, thank you for taking an hour or so of your day uh, to chit chat with me. It was really interesting. I I, uh, I was actually pretty excited to hear what you did for work because I knew it was not something typical. A lot of people think government workers, and uh, they picture a pen pusher doing you know four minutes of work throughout the entire day. But uh, it's always fun hearing hearing all the different kind of crevices of of the federal government that you for some reason. Never really realized existed.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's true. There's definitely always some some niche jobs out there, um, but uh, somebody's got to do them, and I'm, I'm glad that I'm I'm one of those people.
0: Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you liked what you heard, please follow along on Spotify, on Anchor, on Instagram. Um, you can shoot me a message on Instagram if you if you want to mention a comment or a question and I will address it on a future episode. Um, if you want to leave me a voice memo through the Anchor website or the Anchor app, that is also super cool. And I can use it on future episodes as well to answer you or just to play uh, for everybody else. And if you're listening to this on Apple Music, it would be very much appreciated. Or Apple Podcasts, not Apple Music. Um, this would be a terrible song to listen to. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please, it would be... Really, really appreciate it if you could just leave a good review if you like the podcast. And if you didn't, you can just skip it, skip that step. Uh, So thank you for listening. If you, again, have any comments, Instagram, Anchor. If you feel like you'd be a great guest or you want to come on the podcast, shoot me a message. Um, Everybody is interesting. Just no one finds themselves interesting. But everybody is interesting in one way or another. So if you do feel like uh, you've got something to say shoot me a message. Let's set something up. Or if you have an idea for someone that you think should be on the show, shoot me a message and uh, I'll get on reaching out to them and setting something up. Have a great day. Have a great week. Have a great month. Just be happy, everybody.